You may be seated. Good morning and welcome to Church of the Apostles. We're so glad that you're here with us. Um, For those of you who are visiting, and I see a lot of visitors, thank you for being with us. We hope you're blessed today. We hope that you um, sense the move of the Spirit here as we're worshiping together. I I was saying uh, to the teams before we started that um, we're going to be a little disoriented today. And I started to pray this week that we wouldn't be disoriented. And God said, that's the wrong prayer, Brian. He often tells me when I'm on the wrong track. So that's the wrong prayer. I said, well, God, what's the right prayer? And through some back and forth, he and I, he said, no, I want you to be disoriented. Because I'm praying, and I began to pray for you, and he was asking me to pray that our disorientation would focus us on the one thing that never changes, him. And so for guests who are here for the first time, like, what is going on? We're all feeling that way. So we welcome you. We welcome you to be oriented on the God of the universe. That is where our focus should be, where our help comes from. If you are visiting, we have a card on our bulletin. We'd love you to fill it out. Let us know you were here. We can answer any questions. We don't bother, I promise. In a little while, the offering baskets will come around. You can just toss it in there. If you have a prayer request, our prayer teams and our staff would love to confidentially pray for that and join you with it. Uh, So glad that you're here. There are many people to thank, and I'm going to do it right now. I pray like crazy that I don't miss anybody. I've prayed over this list. If I do, someone holler, okay? Someone holler. I went back to the beginning. So I want to start with our search team. And, And by the way, we'll clap for all these people at the end, okay? Just hang on. It's a long list, okay? For our search team, Jeff, uh, I'm just going to use first names, Jeff and Kevin Carlson, unless there's two of you, uh, Marge and uh, Paul Hiller. I want to thank you uh, for finding this place a long time ago. We started a long time ago. And, uh, and although this place kind of found us, that team did a lot of work to make sure it was right. And so I appreciate that. Um, and then I'll, we turned it over to what I, I don't know what to call, I didn't know what to call it at the time. And I was going to make I was going to make up a fancy name today, but I'll just tell you what I called it. I turned it over to the money team. After that, I turned it over to Sean and Ryan and Paul Hiller again, and they began the negotiation process, uh, making sure we could afford it, making sure that it was going to work here as a partnership. And they did a lot of hard work on that for a while. And then that got turned over to the parish council. And you may know who they are, but I'm saying anyways, that's Jennifer Brown and Kevin Carlson again, Joel, Tiffany, Sean and Wayne. And they turned over, and I've said this before, but a special thank you to Wayne and Sean who took the tail end of this lease process and worked with lawyers and the other team, and, and we're in here in a really good way because of that. So thank you, Parish Council. Um, and then we had a group of consultants come in, and that is uh, Jeff again and Jan and, and William and Kevin Carlson and Tom and Ryan and Joel and Marge, and we sat in this kind of space that was kind of raw and in need of some improvement, And they began to consult on, that's a good idea, that's not a good idea. And that really helped us. And along with that team is a friend that I hope you get to meet sometime soon. Her name is Karina. She does not come to church here, yet she is a professional, yet she is a professional interior designer who donated her time to come and walk through with us countless hours 
you should do that. You should use that color. You should put that there. That's what the floor should look like. And so we thank her greatly. She did that because she likes Jan. <laughs> we, wa we walked into this space, and Karina, who does not go to church here, began to cry and say, I'm so happy for you. So we thank Karina. And then we turned it over to what I call our general contracting team. And this is where I might miss somebody. Again, Jeff on electric, and we have this ceiling. Because, by the way, these people did lots of things. I'm giving you one thing they did. Uh, we have this ceiling because Joel Crosley did countless hours of research on what would look nice in this ceiling. And, and really, if you saw what was in here before, everyone thank Joel later. <laughs> um, I said, don't clap. Uh, and Marge, and Marge I, I said, what did Marge generally contract? A million little details to make you feel welcome today is what Marge did. She just said, hey, you think of this, you think of that. She was great. Um, we had um, Amy and Adiel. Later, you're going to see something called the cafe down the hall. Amy and Adiel, you thank them for what they did. Hours to put that together. Beautiful. Tiffany and Dawn helping with our bulletin boards and our display cases on the hallway and in the kids' rooms. We had Tom and Ryan and Kevin and others on sound and tech trying to figure out just how, to, how this crazy rector who wants to make the, the room lengthwise, how is this going to work? I said, well, I don't know. You make it work. And so they did. And they're still making it work. Carol and Susan and Paul and George who brought mums and pumpkins today. So when we walk into the courtyard, it looks like we're start doing something. Thank you. So good. Shelly for setting up our sacristy. We have a sacristy now where all our stuff hangs out. No more carts. Shelly, thanks for putting that together and for setting the beauty up here up front. Everyone who helped us move furniture, I can't tell you all your names. We had teams in here all the time, moving furniture, throwing stuff away, taking care of that. Thank you to every one of you. Um, Nate Snow took down an old basketball hoop. Nate, you're going to put it back up, right? No, I'm kidding. He is. He's going to put it back up. We're going to figure that out in the back. But he came and did that. And I don't do this very often, probably not enough. But to Tamara, she vacuumed last night and wiped every seat in this place. So she physically has her hands here. But for the five weeks since we've been back for leave, she has done the heavy lifting with our family so that I could be here doing this for many, many late nights including a trip to Austin, everybody's safe and sound, but that has emotional weight to take care of our kids, and she did that alone. And so I don't thank her often enough from this, but when I introduced myself to you for the first time, I said you'd like me a lot better when you got to know her. <laughs> I was right, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Tamara, for all. And I want to say one more thing about Tamara before I finish up. Aesthetically, um, if you've ever been to a home that we've had, people come and go, wow, this is beautiful. And I say the same thing every time. It's because everything good thing you see is because of Tamara. Well, our team put her on a lot when we were making the aesthetic choices in here because she's good at that. And she helped us with some physically too. So thank you, Tamara, for that. And last but not least, our staff. I honestly don't know what to say. And you know me, I'm seldom speechless. <laughs> but they were working on this before I came back from leave. They've been at it many more months than me. And so the children's rooms look the way they do because of Amy Willers and the hours that she has spent in this building. Praying for our kids, praying for our parents, and welcoming guests. Laura and her team, for the last two weeks especially, thinking, how do we make these days special and meaningful and moments? 
And that takes time. Thank you, Laura. For Jane, who's done much of the actual work in this place, including steaming curtains last night. But more what Jane did is she kept us together for a month so that the work of the church could continue. But that didn't stop. She's worked in two offices for two weeks, back and forth. And she's done it with grace and beauty and her pastoral gift that she greets you all with always. Thank you, Jane. And Jan, I know we've had some great deacons in this place before, Jan. I want you all to know I'll take Jan every day and twice on Sundays. <laughs> yeah. She was our general contractor with all these other general contractors on this job. We are in this building because of Jan Buchanan. And that is true. She's shaking her head. Don't listen to her. Listen to me. <laughs> and so, Jan, you're a world-class deacon. I've told you that personally before, but I want everyone to hear me say it. You're a world-class deacon. And she made these decisions to help me, but that was really the second thing. She made these decisions for you, with you in mind. And so, Jan, thank you. Now, I know that's almost everybody in the room. <laughs> but before we clap, one last thing. You know, when you get into a project like this, you're not present to each moment. You're just looking for this day. And so on the way up the hill today, I thought, oh, we're having a service this morning. I was overcome with gratitude for you, Church of the Apostles, for hanging in there for so long, for following this crazy guy from Texas and New York on a weird journey. Thank you. And to God, of course, who gets all the glory and all the praise always, but made so obvious that this was his doing on this one, he made it easy for us to give thanks, didn't he? With all of those thank you being said, I wonder if we could show appreciation to all of these people by giving them a hand. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> and now just a few words about calling because it makes sense today to think about our calling together as human beings. For those guests in the room, we've been talking about calling. We started last week, but we've been talking about it for a long time. And we have, as human beings, we have three deep longings in our heart. We have three questions that we want the answer to. Who am I? Why am I here? And where do I belong? I don't care if you're a Christian or not. I don't care. These are the deep longings of our heart. We want to know the answers to these questions. Who am I? What's my identity? Where do, why am I here? What's my calling? What, what am I supposed to be doing? Where do I belong? Where's my family? We bring these deep longings, and we're praying and hoping for trustworthy answers. A lot of people answer these questions, and we're wondering if they're trustworthy, aren't we? God has the trustworthy answers to all of these questions for us. He tells us who we are. And he tells us why we're here. And he puts us in families to belong. He has the trustworthy answers. 
Last week, we considered being called from people, place, and situation through the story of Abraham. We looked at what that looks like. And this week, we want to look at we are called by God to be followers of Christ. We are called by God to be followers of Christ. Um, If you're in the book, The Stories We Live in a Triad, this is chapter 1 and 2 for those of you following along at home. And I'm just going to touch on them briefly, so dig into those chapters. We are called by God to be followers of Christ. And this is a loaded statement. It is not, I am called by God to be a follower of Christ. We are, but that's not first. We are called by God to be followers of Christ. It's a plural statement. It's a family statement. Cahalan, who writes the stories we live, she says this, We have a common shared calling as Christians. Discipleship is our most foundational and fundamental identity and vocation. We are called together to be a community of disciples. I am not a disciple alone as an individual, but rather I belong to a community of disciples because I share in the one body and the one spirit, called to the one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. We together as a community follow God in many different roles. We are worshipers, we're witnesses, we're forgivers, and we're neighbors, to name a few. Neighbors. And so today, we have this really great picture from the the reading that Paul Hiller read in Acts about what it means to be called by God to be a follower of Christ as a neighbor. Seems appropriate today, doesn't it? First, I want to say this. We come to a hero in the story of the conversion of Saul. There's a hero in that story. Yes, it's Jesus. Okay, he's always the hero. Got it. All right. That's, that's okay. Check. And it's true. It's not just an answer. It's true. I'm talking about a human hero, though. And you may go, well, it's Saul. Not yet. He's getting there, but not yet. The hero of the story is Ananias. He's the hero in the story. It's Ananias. Because God, Jesus, calls Ananias, he calls him. And he calls him in the same way that he called Abraham last year. The same word starts in 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 your scripture reading. Same verse. Same word that God spoke to Abraham. He speaks to Ananias. First word. Anyone remember what it is? Go. Ananias, go to Paul. Saul at the time. Go to Saul. And I want you to go to Saul and pray with him. And he gives him the instruction, right? Go to Saul, put your hands on him, pray with him. And Ananias says, what? (laughs) A couple things in this little quick exchange between God and Ananias. Just really quick. First of all, why did God send? God could have removed the scales from Paul's eyes, Saul's eyes, and sent him on his way. He already talked to him once already in person. So why send somebody else? Because we are called by God together as followers of Christ. Most of the time, God calls us through our friends and neighbors. You know this, right? I mean, when I say most, I just get nervous about saying all and always. So I'm saying mostly, like... When people come to me and they say, I think I've been called by God for something, my first question is always, who helped you discern this call? Who'd you sit down with? Who'd you pray with outside of your home even? 
What friend? What neighbor? What pastor? Who did you pray with? How long did you pray? I ask these questions like, who helped you discern the call together? And I'm telling you, when people have that done or are willing to enter into it, I have found that they enter their callings with confidence and success, with authority and empowerment, that the Holy Spirit goes before them. And in the few times when people say, no, I just think I heard it right from God, sometimes that happens. It happened to, it happened to Paul. Although, when you say, yeah, but Brian, I mean, Jesus talked right to Saul. Yeah, Saul wasn't alone. You read, we read the story. Paul read it really well. He was in a community of people walking together before Damascus. And Ananias comes. In those few cases where people say, no, I've not prayed with anybody else, I invite them. Really? Wait, just before you take a leap here, you sure you don't want to sit down with a few people? Let us discern this call together. And so why does God use Ananias to go and lay hands on Paul? Because we are called in community. It's a group effort. We said last week that our callings are not for us to hold on to like our precious, that we are called for the sake of other people, that we are blessed to be a blessing. In that same way, God calls others to come and be a blessing to us, to talk to us about calls, to ask us the hard question, to talk to us about our passions and our gifts and our talents, and to, and to raise red flags or yellow flags or green flags, or maybe a better way to say it is green fireworks. Yes. And when we step out into that call, they walk with us and we lock arms together and we move forward. That's why God calls Ananias. He could have done it all by himself for Paul, but he sends another. He sends another. And then Ananias asks, he raises a legit question with God for the record. He's just, he raises a, a legitimate concern. I, I want, I, there's, no, there's no argument here. And, and we shouldn't read it like Ananias, oh, he's being disobedient. No, he's like, hey, wait a minute. This guy is really not a good guy. Now, I just want to say this. There is real conflict in this story between a few religiously ambitious people and the disciples of Christ. There is. And Paul is working in this story. I'm not going to get into it, but he's actually working outside of his authority. He was actually sent on this mission to, to get a report and bring it back to people. But in getting his report, he's locking people up. He's persecuting people, even sometimes to death. He's not supposed to be doing any of this, by the way. He, he would not have been given that authority, not officially. But he's acting alone. He's dangerous. I, I just want to hear, you need to hear me say that. Saul is dangerous, and his reputation precedes him. And so when Ananias says, yeah, 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 God, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> I'm going to do this, point of order. He's locking people up. He's dragging people away. Yet, Jesus tells us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. In our gospel reading today, Jesus redefined neighbor for us, didn't he? He redefined neighbor. He said, yeah, neighbors are your neighbors. Everybody in the room, we're neighbors. In our community, we're neighbors. The people we're sharing this building with, we're neighbors. Neighbors are neighbors. Even they're hard sometimes, but mostly they're not dangerous. 
And so a lot of us go, yeah, but I like my neighbor. Jesus says, yes, you should be neighbors to your neighbor. And you should be neighbors to strangers, people you never have met before. And you should be neighbors to your enemies. You know, Ananias asked a really great question of Jesus, and Jesus gave him the predictable answer. Go anyways, because I've redefined who your neighbor is. Now, here's the other thing I want to tell you. A lot of times in our calls, there's a lot of risk involved. Sometimes God calls us into risky situations. Sometimes even dangerous ones. That's why you should have people with you, by the way. Seriously, you should have people around you to help you with that. But we are 100% always and completely safe when he does that. 100% of the time. And Ananias is 100% safe to go to Saul. No matter what happens to that place, Ananias will spend the rest of his days with Jesus. He's safe. And so Jesus isn't really working on Ananias' thinking. He's working on his own teaching. Love your neighbors, love strangers, love your enemies. And he sends Ananias anyways. Often we are called to follow God in risky situations. I want to say one more thing. Following Christ is always costly. Cahalan again. Following Jesus is radical, requiring disciples to change their heart and mind, to give up loyalty to job, family, friends, and nation in order to embrace Jesus' way of life, which included breaking religious laws, eating with sinners, and facing persecution. Being called by God to be a follower of Christ is always costly. Always. Now, you may say, Brian, there's guests here. We want them to come back to church. <laughs> We'd like people to love Jesus. Stop talking about that. <laughs> it's always costly. But let me just ask you a question. Just imagine with me for a second. What if Ananias didn't go? What if he didn't go? What God asked him to do was costly and risky, but Ananias got to call down healing, empowerment, baptism, and commissioning of the Apostle Paul. You want to know why you're here in life? I want you to know and hear me today, no matter where you are in your faith with Jesus Christ, I can guarantee you something. Following him will be costly. He will always answer the deepest longings of our hearts. He does it for Ananias. I'm going to give you your identity. You're my ambassador to the Apostle Paul. I'm going to give you your meaning. I want you to go lay hands on him and send him on his way. And I'm going to put you in a family with other disciples, including, by the way, the guy who was imprisoning people because I change hearts too. Yeah, it's costly. It is so worth the cost. And I know I got the collar on and I got to say that because I run a church. 
I want you to hear me say something today because I just want you to hear it. Following Jesus is the best way you could ever live your life, period. With all the risk and all the cost. Because he gives us the deepest longing of our hearts. One more thing. Saul shows up at a house on a way called Straight, owned by a man named Judas. And he's blind, and he's babbling, he's disoriented. You want to talk about disorientation. He's hungry because he stopped eating. His companions, by the way, probably didn't hear Jesus' voice, so they're confused. If you've ever, if you've ever had an eye injury, I've had, I've had one eye injured pretty severely. I couldn't see out of it for about three days. Uh, it, it is the most disorienting thing in your life. Anyone's had a surgery you can't see for? It's so disorienting. I mean, Paul is in his worst state. He's probably babbling. I don't know. Is he drooling? Can he even walk? I don't, he can't see, right? So they're carrying him along, and they show up at Judas's house. And Judas opens the door and gives Paul a safe place to rest. If only we had a picture, modern picture, for me to show that. Hmm. Oh, we're sitting in a really good picture, aren't we? Because we were tired and needing a safe place for our church to rest, God sent a man named Larry from a place called Congregation Redef Shalom. And Larry came across religious boundaries and overcame self-doubt and frankly did the work to find us in our old office, which was a lot of work. And he took the risk, people he didn't know, and said, hey, do you need a roof over your heads by any chance? And then we met Mike and Debbie and Mark who welcomed us here with open arms. And I'll tell you something, I thank them every day. And finally, uh, Mark, who I've just really grown to love, he's the executive director here. He said, okay, you're welcome. That's the last time. <laughs> he's, you're not guests here. This is what they say to me all the time, these people. You're not a guest here. This is your home. They say this to me all the time. We're partners now. Like it or not, they'll always say, like it or not, we're partners now. <laughs> And then several members of CRS have stopped by and will join us after the service today to welcome us to the neighborhood. And last week on Wednesday, they invited our missions team who was meeting here to their highest holy service upstairs to hear the blowing of the shofar. They welcomed us with open arms. And we sat in the back, and as we sat there, not quite, I mean, I've studied Hebrew. I can't read. I don't know what am I, you know, we don't know what's going on. One of their congregation members, I just see her walk her way to the back and sat with us and said, this is what's going on. And she narrated the service for us as the shofar blew to end the fast and, and proclaimed us clean. And then, yesterday, I was sitting in my office in jeans and a t-shirt wait, waiting to work, and I get a knock on the door. They were having their service down the hall here. And Sue, who uh, Jane and Sue are sharing an office together, said, hey, hey, Father Brian, will you come in? Nima, which is their cantor, you'll meet all these people today. She's singing your praises. Will you come in the back of the room? Sure. So I come in, and I stand in the back of the room. And Nima says, come here. <laughs> okay. And I thought she was going to say some ni- you know, nice things and welcome us. And then she said, say a few words. <laughs> and 
And so God met me and I said, tomorrow to my church, I'm going to tell a story about a man who was walking, who was blind and babbling and hungry and helpless and who desperately needed a safe place to lay his head. And a man named Judas opened his door because God calls neighbors to be neighbors. And the man had a safe place to wait for God to rescue him. And then I was able to say to them, thank you, Congregation Redef Shalom. Because when Church of the Apostles needed a place to worship and office and minister, you were our neighbors. And we can't wait to be your neighbors. And now for our two minutes of silence. Maybe you have been called to a risk. Maybe you have been called to a risk. Maybe you're wondering who's coming along with me. Let's pause for a moment in silence. For those of you who are guests, this will feel like a lot longer than it is. I will actually watch the time. It'll be two minutes. You bow your head and close your eyes. I'll watch the time. We offer this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.